The Westminster Confession of Faith was first published in 1646. It was the result of the hard work done by a group of men called the Westminster Divines. Their goal was to outline what they believed the Scriptures principally taught. And it has been said that the Church of Christ cannot be creedless and live. Thankfully, the Westminster Confession of Faith has been the creed of the Reformed Church for almost 400 years. This podcast seeks to point you to Christ, to help you navigate the Westminster Confession of Faith, and to see you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Welcome to This We Confess. The Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 11, of Justification, Paragraphs 4 to 6. God did from all eternity decree to justify all the elect, and Christ did in the fullness of time die for their sins and rise again for their justification. Nevertheless, they are not justified until the Holy Spirit doth in due time actually apply Christ unto them. Paragraph 5. God doth continue to forgive the sins of those that are justified, and although they can never fall from the state of justification, yet they may, by their sins, fall under God's fatherly displeasure, and not have the light of his countenance restored unto them, until they humble themselves, confess their sins, beg pardon, and renew their faith and repentance. Paragraph 6. The justification of believers under the Old Testament was, in all these respects, one and the same with the justification of believers under the New Testament. As we finish our look today at chapter 11 of the Westminster Confession of Justification, paragraph 4 deals with the when of our justification, and it speaks of our justification in eternity past and our justification in history. The opening words of paragraph 4 state that God did from all eternity decree to justify all the elect. Here we see the eternal aspect of our justification. It is, as Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 and verse 30, those whom God predestined he also called, and those whom he called he also justified, and those whom he justified he also glorified. Our predestination, according to the Apostle in Romans 8, precedes our justification. And so there is an eternal aspect of our justification. That today, if you are saved, if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, well, then from all eternity past, God the Father decreed to justify you. However, it would be wrong to say that just because the Father has decreed to justify us in eternity past, then we have always been justified. That is simply not true. Our justification depended fully upon Christ and his finished work at Calvary. The next part of paragraph 4 states exactly that, that Christ did in the fullness of time die for their sins and rise again for their justification. Here the Westminster Divines basically state Romans 4 and 25 word for word. In that verse we are told that Christ was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And so our justification was decreed in eternity past by God the Father. 
but it was not accomplished until God the Son died for us at Calvary in the fullness of time. Paul states in Galatians 4 and verse 4, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman and born under the law. And in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 6, we see what the Son came to do. He gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. The Father decreed in eternity those who he would justify. And the Son in history took on flesh and went to Calvary to die for our sins and to rise again for our justification. However, the Westminster Divines do not finish their teaching at that point. The final words of paragraph 4 state, Nevertheless, they are not justified until the Holy Spirit doth in due time actually apply Christ unto them. We are born in sin, we are born as rebels, we are born as disobedient to the Lord. And there must come a moment of time in our lives where the Holy Spirit calls us to repentance and faith, leads us to Christ and applies Christ unto us by faith. Paul writes to Titus in Titus chapter 3, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour. No one, says Paul in Galatians 2 and verse 16, is justified by the works of the law, but instead through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, says Paul, no one will be justified. And so paragraph 4 here makes it clear about the when of our justification. To put it simply and hopefully memorably, we could say that our justification was decreed in eternity by God the Father. Our justification was accomplished in history at Calvary by God the Son. And our justification was applied in history when the Holy Spirit worked salvation in us and led us to saving faith in Christ. And so our justification is a work of the triune God. And our justification has an eternal and an historical aspect. Decreed in eternity, accomplished at Calvary, applied when we bend the knee. But it would be wrong to think that those who are justified, who are declared righteous by God, will never sin again and are made perfect. Christians are not perfect, but the Westminster Divines assure us in paragraph 5 that God continues to forgive those who are justified but continue to sin. God doth continue to forgive the sins of those that are justified, they state in the opening words of paragraph 5. The Apostle John reminds us in his first letter, in the first chapter in verse 8, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And in the second chapter, he writes, If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. John is clear. 
Christians will unfortunately continue to sin. We are not made perfect this side of glory. And the Christian life is one where we will continue to wrestle with this body of flesh and the old nature of sin. However, if we do fall into sin, we are thankful today that God continues to forgive those who call upon him in repentance. John says in verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus Christ is our advocate and the Lord himself taught us when we pray in Matthew 6 and verse 12 to ask, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Christians are not perfect, but God continues to forgive us as we call upon him. And indeed, the next line of this paragraph states something wonderfully encouraging. Christians can never fall from the state of justification. Perhaps there have been moments in your walk where you have wondered, can I fall from the justification of our God? Perhaps you might look in the mirror and think to yourself that absolutely you have wasted your last chance. God will not forgive you this time. That moment of salvation that you were so aware of 10 years ago, well that must have worn out by now. But it is simply not true. If justification is this forensic act where God declares you to be righteous and our God cannot change, then how can our God go back on his word? He cannot. Christians cannot fall away. God cannot and will not remove your justification from you. Jesus says in John 10 and verse 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. It couldn't be any clearer. The words of our Lord speak gently to us. No one will ever be able to snatch us out of his hand. Our justification cannot be revoked. Christians cannot and will not fall away. However, as the divines finish paragraph 5, they make it clear that Christians can fall under God's fatherly displeasure. It doesn't mean that he removes salvation from them. It doesn't mean that their names are removed from the Lamb's book of life. But by their sins, we may fall under God's fatherly displeasure and we will not have the light of his countenance restored to us until we humble ourselves, confess our sins, beg pardon and renew our faith and repentance. Christians can be disciplined, although Christians will never fall away. We see this throughout the word of God. David in Psalm 51, in light of the Bathsheba affair and Nathan the prophet's condemnation of David, cries this unto the Lord, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Here is David who had come under the fatherly displeasure of God. But returning to that place of repentance and faith and crying out to the Lord for forgiveness. And David with confidence is able to say in Psalm 32 and verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, 
and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. If David is an Old Testament example of someone falling under God's fatherly displeasure, but then having the Lord's countenance restored to him, then we see in the Apostle Peter a New Testament example. We remember in Matthew 26 and verse 75, Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter falls under the father's displeasure. But we know from Peter's story that he is restored by Christ to that place where he enjoys God's countenance upon him. And Paul writes of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 30 and 32. He states that some of you have been weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, verse 31, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. The Lord has a purpose as he disciplines us. It is to restore us to that place where we enjoy his countenance and good pleasure. He has not removed his justification from us. He has not gone back on his word and declared us now to be under his wrath. But he disciplines those whom he loves, all with the purpose to bring us to the place where we humble ourselves, confessing our sins, begging pardon, and renewing our faith and repentance. And so today, my brothers and sisters, if you believe yourself to be under the discipline of God, all is not lost. You are not lost. And the Lord and the Lord shows us the path back to him. It is a path of repentance and faith. It is a path of humility. It is a path of confession and calling out to him. And it is a path open to all of his children. You will not slip through the fingers of Christ. But you can, by your sin, fall under the Father's discipline. And so today we have heard about the when of our justification. That there is an eternal aspect of it. That God in eternity past decreed that he would justify all the elect. But there's an historical element to it as well. With Christ in the fullness of time dying for our sins and rising for our justification. And then later in our lives the Holy Spirit actually applying Christ to us. And in paragraph 5 we have heard that believers will continue to sin. They will never ever fall away completely and God continues to forgive them as they call out to him and trust him. But yet there may be times in our lives by our sin that we fall under his displeasure and the road back to his countenance is repentance and renewed faith. But surely this is just for those who find themselves on this side of the cross. Often I hear believers telling me that things were different in the Old Testament and Old Testament believers must have been saved in a different way. After all, Christ had not yet come. After all, Jesus had not yet died at Calvary and therefore their justification must have been different. It must have been perhaps by works or another path of salvation. But if we were to fall into that error, the Westminster Divines in their final paragraph tell us our mistake. In paragraph 6 they state that the justification of believers under the Old Testament was in all these respects one and the same with the justification of believers under the New Testament. The Westminster Divines have already in the confession left us no room for thinking that perhaps there are multiple churches, multiple people of God, multiple paths to salvation. 
If we have forgotten that, then we need to return to the teaching of the covenant to realize again that the covenant of grace extends from Genesis to Revelation to all those who will believe in the Christ who was to come or in our case, the Christ who has come. And so there is one church and the church of Jesus Christ, whether she existed before the cross or after the cross, is the one justified church. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8 to 9 that the gospel was preached to Abraham saying that in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Paul leaves no room here in Galatians for anyone to say that Abraham was a man of works. Abraham was a man justified by doing good deeds. Absolutely not. Abraham was the man of faith and today if we have faith in Christ then we are blessed along with Abraham in whom all the nations would be blessed. And in verse 13 of chapter 3 of Galatians Paul continues. He states that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. We look back to Father Abraham, the man of faith, the one whose seed was promised, that seed is Christ, and that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham has come to the Gentiles. Abraham and the Old Testament saints were not saved by works, but instead they were justified by faith, They looked in faith to the Christ who was to come and God declared them to be righteous in his sight. Paul tells us again of Abraham in Romans chapter 4 verse 22 tells us that Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Here again we see that Abraham, just like us, are counted as righteous because of our faith. And so the justification of believers in both testaments, the church before the cross and the church continuing after the cross, is one and the same. How could it be any different? The apostle tells us in Hebrews 13 and verse 8 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And if this is true, which it surely is, then how could Jesus have saved in a different way before the cross and in a new way after the cross? No. Christ laid down his life at Calvary. He was crucified for our sins and raised for our justification. And the R in this context is the church of Jesus Christ, the church of the Old Testament and the church of the New one and the same, a church justified by faith in Jesus. And so there is much to be thankful for in this passage today. We are thankful for the massive scale of our justification. Eternity past, played out at Calvary and then worked by the Holy Spirit in our lives in a moment in history. And we are thankful today as well for how God continues to forgive us our sins. We continue to rebel against him. We continue to wrestle with the body of death. But thanks be to God, because he hears our prayer of repentance. He answers it. He forgives us. 
And even when we have spent time far from him, he gives us a path back to his countenance, again walking the road of repentance and faith. And finally, we rejoice in that the fact that there is only one church, one body, saved by the precious blood of Christ and faith in him. And that church began in the beginning and will continue to the end of the age and not a single member of the bride of Christ will be lost. And my brothers and sisters, today we can rejoice because by the precious blood of Christ, through faith in him, we have been declared righteous. Today, we are justified. As we finish today, here are six questions for you to consider. Question one. Justification has an eternal and historical aspect. What do we mean by this? Question two. Explain the role in justification of each person of the Trinity. Question three. Why is it an impossibility that the believer can lose his or her justification. Question four. How can a believer fall under God's fatherly displeasure? And how can the same believer have the light of God's countenance restored? Question five. What is the Lord's purpose as he disciplines us? Question six. Give evidence to support the claim that the justification of Old Testament and New Testament believers is the same. That's all for today. As always, my name is Scott Woodburn, and until next time, this we confess. (laughs) 